What does a baby perceive? It gazes upon a world unconditioned and naked, unblinkered by learned judgment and cultural bias. A baby watches with an impartial detachment for it has not learned what to judge and what is worth attending to. Its watchful gaze moves with a curious spontaneity shifting from novelty to novelty. Ah, this, now this. A baby has this inexhaustible curiosity for a world that appears as an endless stream of change. Now, the perception of a baby and the world that they represent embodies the essence of Shoshin, a term we find from Zen Buddhism, and this translates roughly to beginner's mind in English. And this concept, I think, it captures the essence of seeing the world directly and unmediated by the cloud of preconceptions, biases and models that often frame our experience of reality. Now, a baby, of course, does not literally arrive as a blank slate, but it is, of course, far less conditioned compared to a 20 or an 80 year old. You know, the developmental stage of infancy is one of open potentiality rather than rigid determinism. And this openness to experience allows for a sense of discovery and learning that is remarkable and vastly different to that of an adult. And, you know, the, the potential inherent in this open stage is immense. You know, every interaction, every sensory input contributes to the, the shaping of the infant's brain and the formation of synaptic connections. You know, it's this stage of rapid development and synaptic plasticity. You know, this open potentiality offers the offers a promise of becoming anything and is a stark contrast to the more, you know, deterministic state of the matured adult brain, which although still adaptable, is to a greater extent conditioned and constrained by the years of established patterns, beliefs and learned behaviours. Now, many people who use psychedelics such as psilocybin or LSD are known to report this sense of perceiving the world afresh of suddenly being raptured with a childlike curiosity for the, the sheer novelty of the natural world. A psychedelic, in essence, confronts the user with an altered mode of experiencing the world and themselves. This altered mode can seem exceptional to the user, as though infused with a deep sense of profundity. And, you know, perhaps we might say that what psychedelics do is perform a amplification of consciousness. Yet these experiences, this amplification, they're often regarded as ineffable. That is, they transcend our linguistic and conceptual faculties. And you know, this I believe to be a central aspect of the psychedelic experience. And it's where we also find a fascinating connection with certain Eastern philosophical schools, which to not to overly generalise, you know, Eastern philosophy, I would say we find in certain schools a general emphasis upon the significance of the non-conceptual, or perhaps, you know, the inherent limitations of our conceptual modes of thinking. You know, a famous line from the Tao Te Ching, a central text in Taoist thought, is that the Tao that can be named is not the eternal Tao. And you know, what this attempts to illuminate is the 
the trappings of language. Uh, as soon as we particularize and approximate a phenomena with words and concepts, we find ourselves dealing with descriptions rather than, you know, the thing described. You know, words, they concern our maps of phenomena, and we should not conflate them with the, the underlying terrain that we are mapping. You know, when you describe something with language, you are constantly circling in on the thing described that you can never really comprehensively or exhaustively pinpoint the phenomena with words. You know, the word joy can never replace or even convincingly capture what the word joy is pointing to, you know, the raw, primordial and unmediated experience of joy. You know, it transcends our capacity to conceptualize it with words and symbols, you know. And, you know, like I said, this property of transcending language is a central component of the psychedelic and a mystical experiences, which, you know, it, this capacity to induce mystical type experiences, I think, is where we can locate much of the healing potential with psychedelic use. Now, med mystical experiences, they can be elicited with meditative practice, musical drumming, psychedelic use, or they can even occur spontaneously in certain individuals. And, you know, as the word suggests, these experiences all carry some kind of encounter with the mystery, as I'm calling it. And, you know, perhaps we can draw an equivalence here um, with a notion of the mystery with other sort of notions such as the Tao, cosmic consciousness, God, or, you know, in other words, you know, the naturally spontaneous flux of whatever this thing, this process that we call nature or existence is, you know. You know, having the essence of ineffability means that, you know, any word or concept that we use to try and describe this must be immediately cancelled out since, you know, they're not the thing in itself. You know, the words that we're using to talk about it, they are pointers that invite one to really go beyond the pointers, you know. So it's really with a kind of self-consciousness that I go about talking about these things with the understanding that, you know, this phenomenon is not something you could ever exhaustively talk about. So what is it to confront the mystery, as I'm calling it. And why can this experience be induced with psychedelic use? You know, as I said, one way of con conceiving what a psychedelic does is that they amplify consciousness and they can induce very reliably perceptual novelty, contents of consciousness that were simply unimaginable prior. And novelty naturally attracts attention. And, you know, there's a deep evolutionary logic to this. In order to survive and reproduce, one must be, you know, attuned to new and potentially dangerous changes in the environment. And, you know, we can also understand attention as one of the most primary modes by which we engage with reality. Now, the novelty that a psychedelic experience induces is holistic. It causes a multi-sensory alteration to one's consciousness and you know this is significant because it causes a, an attentional shift almost to a more meta level you know one starts paying attention to their mode of experiencing the world rather than being swept up in the conditioned frameworks that we dress up experience with 
you know, to put it another way, you know, imagine that you have experienced life looking through a particular set of spectacles your entire life and, you know, being so hypnotised into this way of seeing the world, you forget that you are always wearing these spectacles. Now, with a psychedelic, the lens of those spectacles have been radically transformed, altering the world that you perceive when looking through them. And, you know, this this radical alteration, you know, it causes this sort of collision with the present moment, which is, you know, awe-inspiring and, you know, utterly unprecedented, you know, for those who are uninitiated. And, um, you know, for some, you know, this transformation may cue a certain shift away from merely looking through the glasses to now looking at the glasses, like how you would when you're rubbing a smudge or something off the lens, you know, attention rather than being swept up and feeling separate to the contents of experience, which is often, you know, I guess our habitual mode of engagement with the world. We feel like we are a subject having an experience rather than being the experience, you know, or, you know, we say we are having the experience rather than we say we are the experience, you know, and I guess sort of, you know, psychedelics, this, this radical shift to your contents of consciousness can undermine this, this sense of separation, you know, and it can, it can foster this sort of change, um, that can enable you to sort of relax and begin to just be experienced. Um, and so you're sort of sinking into the deep flow of the trip. And, you know, this notion of just being experienced is, you know, it's the essence of a unity experience of being at one with the world. And, you know, it comes from the dissolution of the subject and the object, which, you know, can be directly realized with a psychedelic trip. And, you know, this is the sort of ego dissolution phenomenon, as it's commonly called. But it can also more gradually sort of be attained with a meditative practice. Now, this sort of this blending of the subject and the object arrives when one expands their sense of identity beyond the self-referential, egoic thinking mind. And it arrives when one begins to centre their awareness in the sort of, you know, the empty, spacious field whereby the thinking mind arises as a kind of spontaneous activity. Now, this, this empty space is not a nihilistic concept, but rather it's I suppose it's pointing to this intrinsic stillness to experience. A stillness that can be sensed concretely in the gaps that lie between thought when the mind is empty and not being hypnotised with a, an attachment to the egoic thinking mind. You know, this state can be apparent when you're just waking up in the morning and you're just, you're just there, you know. But, you know, very quickly, this internal monologue will begin its articulatory process. And, you know, then we, there we are, we're, we're lost in thought. And, but if you step back and you watch the thoughts, they all have a beginning, a middle and an end. That is, they're all transient, impermanent and arising spontaneously in awareness. Yet, you know, despite this, you fundamentally, the, you know, the empty space, you know, that, that doesn't disappear or cease to exist when there is a silence. Rather, what remains, you know, 
I guess it's this kind of pure and empty awareness. And um, this emptiness can perhaps be felt as a, a very raw and primordial state of being. And, you know, in principle, we are all it, you know. You know, the original mind is the Buddha mind, as it's often said, and the spiritual path is paradoxically a non-path, you know. It's simply that, you know, this this insight um, can be concealed in the way that a cloud may conceal a radiant sky. And yet this this insight isn't something that the conceptual thinking mind can ever get or acquire. In fact, it's almost a negation of the whole notion of getting anything, you know. And um, perhaps we can frame this insight as the following, that one is the mystery and always was the mystery. And we this mystery we can understand as unfolding right here right now as the spontaneously creative and flowing nature of this you know and yet you know this is just a word it's it's just a pointer you know you know it invites you to go beyond and think about well what is the non-conceptual thing that the word this is pointing to you know and you know we we know this by being it you know it's a process that is unreflective and non-conceptual, which is why I began our discussion by talking about the perception of a baby and the idea of Shoshin we find from Zen Buddhism. Psychedelics perhaps through accelerating the novelty generation of experience can sort of mimic um, the world that a baby perceives, you know, both the states of perceiving the world that has reduced priors, as they're called, you know, allowing for more degrees of freedom and, you know, weakening the weight of history and habit, which allows for, I suppose, direct and unmediated perception into the nature of things. And um, reflecting on this concrete mode of perception demonstrates that, I suppose, the next thing that one perceives is fundamentally novel, novel and spontaneous. You know, this this novelty is extremely explicit in the depths of a psychedelic trip when one's feel, visual field is engulfed in hyperbolic fractal geometries. Yet, in our conventional reality, the novelty is so subtle that it is often over, overlooked. For we navigate the world hypnotised by our models and frameworks, which ossify us into particular patterns of being making us a prisoner to sameness you know you know habits they reduce complexity and they automate our engagement with the world you know they're, they're useful pragmatic and necessary yet they're often at the root of our most self-destructive behaviors psychedelics then as these extremely potent neuroplastogens they facilitate the deconditioning of these habitual modes and through this deconditioning of our habitual patterns of mind there becomes accessible a way of relating to the world that is prior to any conceptual framework and this way of relating has an essence of natural spontaneity and a deeply non-propositional sense of knowing you know 
one's locus or their centre of awareness shifts away from attachment to particular thought, feeling or sensation. It shifts or it shifts its centre to the, the deep space in which these particular things arise. And you know that that deep space and its spontaneous activity, you know, that may I remind you is you, is the mystery. You know, it's unfolding now with the next thought that punctuates your consciousness. You know, you do not know where it comes from precisely. It just appears with a beginning, a middle and an end. And um, noticing this and um, Yeah, noticing this has the potential to radically alter your sense of self and the way you integrate with the reality. And um, yeah, I think I'll leave that at that. Um, I hope that you've got something from that, enjoyed it. Well, goodbye.